everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is the Game by Show podcast for October the 26th. It's the week before Halloween. My name is Legrand, your ghostly, ghastly, goblin-y host. I'm joined with uh, Dale and Jeremy. Hello, Dale and Jeremy. Hi. Hello. Boo. Trick or treat. Yeah, trick or, trick or treat, man. What, what's uh? You guys doing any tricks this year, or any treating? As little as possible. You guys have you guys have kids, so you guys are doing the trick or treating stuff, right, with your kids? Yep. Oh, for sure. Although, so here's the decision that I have to make every year. You know how after Halloween every year, you go back to work and everybody's like, there were no trick or treaters. Nobody came to my house. And then on the trick-or-treat side, people are like, you know, there were so many houses where the lights were off, or, you know, people weren't participating. So every year, I kind of like to hold out the, the torch for Halloween a little bit. I like to, even though it's fun to go out with the kids, it's, just, it's a great super experience, I feel like I need to hold down the fort and keep, keep it going for Halloween. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So my tradition is to get out like a scary game, like uh, you know, Dead Space, or uh, this year I might do Resident Evil, maybe, or something like amnesia? that. Amnesia, do amnesia. Yeah, and just like sit in the living room, play a scary game, and hand out candy to people who come by. I think that's that's a pretty good. Yeah, Halloween. usually my wife goes out with the kids, or I go out with the kids, and the other one stays home and hands out candy. I agree with you. We live in a brand new neighborhood with tons of kids, so. I suspect that most, if not all, the houses—not all, but a lot of the houses—are going to be participating. So good, that's cool. keep it going. Yeah, in our old neighborhood, there was, we had tons of trick or treaters, but we didn't know a lot of them, and we know a lot of people in our new neighborhood. So it's going to be fun, I think, this year. Yeah, I, I like to—I I do like to go out because it, it almost is like a—it's like your whole neighborhood turns into an amusement park, kind of. Everything is lit up, and there's little. You know, decorations everywhere, and it just—it almost feels like walking down like Main Street USA in Disneyland or something like that. I mean, it's—you it's, know—it's not quite the same thing, but it just has that feel because everyone's out having a good time, and uh, yeah. I, I really like that. I like to keep that going. It's kind of a fun social, you know, and 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 the parents walk around with their kids and socialize with other weird parents that are out with their kids. And, <laughs> you know, it's cool. Yep. Yeah. So keep it going for Halloween. Don't complain about it. Just get some candy if people show up. You know, keep your porch lit up and. You know, let's keep this thing going. Or you could be one of those guys that just puts the candy bowl out on the porch and says, Take a few. Yeah. Let's just take one, please. <laughs> those are my favorite houses. Or I did that one year, and we lost a bowl. Yeah. Way. Oh, man. Those are the best houses to come to when I was little, because you're like, yeah, take one. Mm-mm. Take one bowl. All. Yeah, they stole They stole the bowl. <laughs> and the bowl? Yeah, they took the bowl oh, itself. Man. There's no decency left in this world. No. Man. That's why I declare war on Halloween. Halloween is over. That's it. We've changed our position on this. Well, speaking of Halloween-themed games, I'm, I've been playing Gears of War 4 some more. Scary Gears of War. Yeah, it's still good, man. Still killing still killing stuff. Uh, the storylines, I don't know. It's fine. And uh, the characters are what really drives that game for me. It's just a lot of fun listening to the banter between... Uh, JD Phoenix, Marcus Phoenix, and the gang, and um, like Dom's so. kid, and Coltrane's kid. It's like Muppet Babies <laughs> and with Baron's chainsaw kid. guns. Dom didn't have a kid. Dom's gone. I don't know where Coltrane is. He hasn't showed up yet. Uh, I'm about. Um, I'm on Act Four, Chapter Two, and there's five acts, and I believe the fifth act is only has like four chapters. So, I'm uh, about probably three quarters of the way through the game and um, the single player campaign. I still haven't checked out the multiplayer or the horde mode. But uh, are you on Xbox or PC? I'm playing on PC. Oh, okay. Um, and how's how's it as a PC game? Is it pretty? The port. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's very very competent as a third person shooter. It plays as well as like Mass Effect did or 
any other thing. No that you weird, like, um, I don't know, frame rate glitches or anything like that. No. And there, there's tons of, like, settings. It's, all the settings exist that you would expect from a modern PC game. Um, it runs, cool. obviously, really, really good on my machine because it's, you know, a port from the Xbox One game. So, of course, it's going to run good on a high-end PC, right? So You would think so, yeah. Uh, and it does. And it, I... I averaged probably 90 frames at 1920 by 1080 with max settings with all the anti-aliasing, Wicked. all the things. I haven't tried it yet on my 4K monitor yet, but are you playing with a mouse and keyboard or? Uh, yeah, duh. Okay, well. just checking, just checking to see if you're playing <laughs> office equipment for uh, for Gears of War. I, I I talked a bunch about it last week, so I don't want to I don't want to dwell on it too much because it's just more of the same. I just want to say that it, it continues to be rad and. I actually did have one question, though, for you. You mentioned that it was sure. the characters that, that really kind of made the game for you. And I wonder, has that always been the case? Because it always seemed to me, and maybe I'm just like a curmudgeon or whatever, but it always seemed to me like the characters were kind of like the least interesting thing in Gears of War. Well, the the thing is, is that, um, I mean, Marcus Phoenix was always kind of a cool character. You had the bitchy Baird, and then you had Coltrane. Or Coltrane, yeah. Woo! Anyway, you had the four <laughs> characters, or whatever. Um and Marcus Phoenix was always like, oh, and he had Dom, right? Dom. So Marcus Phoenix was always kind of the coolest, the coolest dude. And now you have old get off my lawn, Marcus Phoenix. You know, like Marcus Phoenix in the original trilogy didn't give a shit about anything, and he was just, you know, awesome. Anya. And now, and now he's just like get off my lawn, Marcus, which just makes him that much cooler, you know. So it's just kind of fun to see that, and it's it's kind of got a lot of that Left for Dead feel. It's got a lot of jokes and humor and funny things. Like, I've laughed out loud playing Gears of War 4 just because of funny things that they've said or stupid puns they've made. You know, there's just a lot of really good writing. And, no, I, um, I did, uh, as for as much talk as people have about uh, Gears of War being, like, uh, I don't know, beefy and, and not self-aware, I, I don't know that that's actually the case. Um, and... I, you know, playing through the first and the second Gears of War games, I did think that the the characters and the writing were entertaining, if nothing else, right? I mean, I didn't think it was, like, super po-faced and self-serious, like a Call of Duty or something tries to be. You know, they're, they're clearly, like, somewhat in on it. You know, they're not, like, winking at you or anything, breaking the fourth wall, but it's definitely played for bombast um yeah and in gears of war 2 when they they try to they try to do the tragic aspect of it sometimes and you know i mean sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but um you can tell there's there's a little bit of heart there right it's not just posturing i'm curious also about the set pieces in this too because i know that's been sort of a, a thing in gears of war you know the uh, the giant monsters and the and the train section in I don't know the first game riding the, the broomac at the end of the second game or something yeah like exactly that. Yeah. exactly those kinds of things Good I, stuff, I, yeah. I I don't know if I, I almost am kind of looking for a spoiler but I'm kind of curious is there anything like that in this I mean what's been the Absolutely. what's been the big draw in this <laughs> um, there's been all of that there's been cool moments there's I mean. <laughs> There's a part where you have to ride this big old elevator down and things are happening and there's another part where you're now you've ridden that elevator down but you got to get back up and so you there's like these cables and you like ride them up <laughs> and, and it's like I, I guess it's it's not really I mean it's kind of spoiling the moment but basically they're trying to figure out a way to get out of this mine shaft that they basically found themselves in and the one guy goes, you know, well, maybe we could just fly out. And then JD says, well, 
maybe we will. And they walk over to these cables that are kind of like the elevator cables. They shoot the bottom off, and they get skyrocketed into the air being pulled by these cables. Um, and then they get to the top, and they make some funny quote about, yeah, we told you we'd fly out of there. You know, but It's kind of a moment where the action changes from your standard third-person shooter right. to, you know, like you said, like the Brumac and those types of things where now I'm flying up this mine shaft, holding onto this thing, and I'm shooting bad guys as they come down and, you know, yeah. different things like that. Um, and so that's... That all exists, and like you said, Dale, if, if, if you think that you know Gears of War 1, 2, and 3 were self-aware and had their moments, um, this is even more of that. It's, it delivers. It's, and, and even better, in my opinion. Like I'm enjoying this one more than I enjoyed the campaigns of the other three games. Gears of War 1 felt fairly serious. It did. Um, felt more serious. Gears of War 2 it was, was even fun. still serious. But it was, it was a little fun. bit more fun, but it was still had that same sort of tone. This one feels like, okay, you know... Like, for example, you go and you get Marcus Phoenix from his house, and now you're fighting through his estate, and you get to the greenhouse, and all of a sudden the bad guys show up, and he's like, damn it, these guys are going to mess up my tomatoes! And then, you <laughs> you know, you fight through the thing, and he's all getting all pissed off, and, you know, grumpy Marcus just complaining about his tomatoes being shot up, you know? And it's, I don't know, stuff like that throughout, and it's kind of just all always happening, and so it's, it's really, really good. That does sound cool. Yeah, it's fun, and I... I would recommend it. They, they did a, they did that like awesome. Gears of War collection, didn't they? Didn't, did that? Come I think out they remastered the first one, right? They remastered oh, was it just the first, the first one? one. I think it was just the first one. Because it would be nice if they would um, just have them all now, like on the same platform, right? Because I never played through the third one, and mm-hmm. it would be kind of cool to to maybe do that. But you know, I don't know. I, I played through the third one, and that was, that was probably my least favorite of the three. Oh, okay. um, but I, I kind of played through it. I wasn't really in the mood for a Gears of War game. I just kind of played through it because I had already played the other two. My nephew had bought it, so I just borrowed it from him and played through the campaign and didn't even touch anything else in it. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't really put a lot of effort into caring, really. Speaking of anything um, else, like I, I personally have never liked the multiplayer at all in Gears of War, even though I did enjoy uh-huh. the single player. What, what about you? Have you have you touched that? I, I bought the first game for the multiplayer. Yeah. I bought it to play multiplayer because... Um, I bought actually I bought my Xbox with Gears of War to play Gears of War multiplayer and then had an Xbox at that point. So um, I got into it. I was never really good at it just because of the controls with the you know the, the con- controller or whatever the analog yeah. sticks. And so I'm looking forward to kind of testing this out and seeing if I can do better at it. Uh, not to say that I did bad. I just was never you know that proficient at analog stick aiming and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. I I will poke my head into it and see. But I have nobody else that I know that's playing it, so playing multiplayer games by yourself is kind of not yeah, as fun. So. <laughs> yeah. Incidentally, Dale, it looks like all of the Gears of War games are backwards compatible on the Xbox One, so there's oh, your there's your unified platform. Cool. Yeah, yeah no, that you just well, have I mean, to it's buy an Xbox One. <laughs> it's good that they've at least done that much, right? Cause, and I, I believe the Gears of War 1 remastered you can buy on PC as well, if I'm not mistaken. You can. Yeah, I was just looking at that in the Windows Store a minute ago. How much is it, like 30 It's 30 bucks, bucks yeah. Okay, that... You know, I, I wouldn't mind probably playing through that uh, again just to kind of see, okay, so how I, was I that first did. game? I really? actually did play through that one <laughs> twice. Um, I think I also once, played through once alone, once in co-op. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought I just thought 2 was a lot more fun, especially that part in 2 when you go to, like, the lab where they were creating the locust or whatever they were doing. And you're it's uh-huh. just, like, dudes busting out of test tubes and you're just chainsawing yeah. everybody. It was just like, <laughs> that was just so much fun. Yeah, and and this is 
you know, a lot of those cool moments are happening in this one. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to spoil story, but there's all sorts of stuff like that. Crazy things. Do you remember in the second one where you like go into that big old worm thing and you fight your way out, oh, yeah, you're yeah, cutting yeah. your way out, killing the yeah, that stuff was awesome. Mm-hmm. There's kind of some stuff that feels a little bit like that um, yeah. in this one. It's not the same, but it, you kind of get that same idea. Like this is absolutely ridiculous. Like I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's happening and it's and it's rad. So right. yeah, a lot of that. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's about it. And then other than that, uh, World of Warcraft still playing that. Um, uh, Karazhan just came out, which they redid the raid from Burning Crusade to make it a five-man mythic dungeon. Um, and so that came out yesterday. I haven't ran it yet, but uh, working towards that. And WoW is still rad. So there's my WoW update, and that's basically it for me. Very nice. Cool. What about you, uh, Dale? Yeah. Well, you, I, you know, I mean, I, I guess I, I've been playing some WoW too. Not not a whole heck of a lot. I've been taking. Some days off a while, or some days off of gaming, actually, lately. I've just been busy with other stuff and and whatnot. Um, but, but I've played a little bit of WoW. I'm still making some progress there. Um, the main thing I've been focusing on for the last several days, I guess, is uh, Endless Legend. So I, th- I might have mentioned this before, but um, I decided to, rather than uh, go, and, uh, go out and buy Civilization VI, which has just come out, which I, I do want to play at some point, um, but I, I, Endless Legend is a, a game very much in that same mold, but, you know, with a different theme and, and some different stuff. And it comes from a different developer who I, who I really like, uh, Amplitude, uh, recently bought by Sega, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I wanted to go back to this game because I, I really liked it when it came out, but I never felt like I really gave it its, its due, right? I'd only put in... Putting, uh, I'd really only put uh, about probably I don't know five or six hours into it uh, before I got I don't know, distracted and went on to something else. So you know how it is, right? Um, but I took this opportunity to go back, and you know, there's been in the meantime since uh, it was I guess end of year 2014 when this came out. Uh, so in you know a good year and a half since then, there's been a bunch of um, DLC. Uh, patches and, and whatnot, so they've they've added a bunch to the game. Um, but I went back and actually to refresh myself, I played through the tutorial, which is basically the first probably twenty or thirty turns of a game. And surprisingly, when the tutorial ends, that game just ends. <laughs> it doesn't like let you continue the, to play the game. So I, I thought I was just gonna continue on, but but no, the tutorial came to an end. And so, um, rather than like create a new game, I just I had an old save from when I first played the game a couple of years ago almost, and so I picked that one up at about turn sixty or something like that. And um, obviously, I didn't really know what I was doing at the you know jumping back into a <laughs> game like that seems dangerous. In medias like res, that. right? You don't even know what item you're trying to get. You don't know where the story's been going. Oh yeah, I didn't know any of that stuff. Uh, actually, I, I did remember a little bit about the faction that I was playing. So, and and I'm continuing this game. Gandhi now. was being a dick, right? <laughs> I'm playing. We um, assumed he was playing the Draken faction, which uh, there's a I don't know how many factions in this game. There's a bunch of them. these guys are like raptor, dinosaur, humanoid people that um, excel at diplomacy. Uh, but are also pretty good at, at military stuff if you need to. So I guess the idea is to play for a diplomatic victory, which basically you earn, you earn peace points um, for every turn that you have a relationship with one of the other people in the game that is above 
straight up war, right? So there's like war and then there's cold war and then there's um, peace and then there's alliance. And then the, the further you are up that scale toward alliance, the better. Um, so right now what I'm trying to do with my diplomatic Draken people is just to kind of basically keep everybody either in the peace or at least the cold war zone and not have any like active conflicts. And we're still early enough in the game. It's it's like a turn 120 or something where not every zone of the world has been settled and you're not getting a whole lot of wars breaking out. In fact, a couple of the factions are nomadic um, in my game. There's two of the same faction. That's this like nomadic um, caravan sort of trade focused civilization. And so, you know, I don't know. It, it's looking okay for, for a diplomatic victory at this point. I think I'm about a third of the way there in terms of peace points earned over time. I just kind of got to manage my uh, relations with the other factions so that no war breaks out or hopefully none of them go like super militaristic and try to do like a conquest victory or something. So, uh, but you know, if you've played a civilization game, um, it's probably 85 or 90% the same, uh, just with like with these kind of outlandish fantasy slash sci-fi, um, factions that are all very different from one another. So, and, and there's nothing in the, in the game that's like standard humans either. I mean, you have like your, uh, I seem to remember there are, are vault dwellers and even like the dragon people that you talked about, they're the closest thing that I can really think to, you know, yeah, there's like nor- like normal hero kind of characters, I guess. Right. The so the the caravan trader faction seem to be humans, and then the the one sort of like halfway belligerent faction in in the game that I'm playing now are these like kind of they're like magic addicted elf people or something. It's almost like the the Night people in, in WoW. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know if they're actually very warlike or if it's just that our sort of um, motives are, are not really quite aligned right now. But, um, but yeah, yeah, Jeremy, you're right. There's a bunch of, like, really varied factions in, in this game that um, keeps things interesting. The one thing that I, I kind of, as I play the game more, I'm kind of starting to wonder about is just, like, uh, is, is basically the map. Um, and it's just kind of maybe an aesthetic thing. But, like, every, it seems like every tile on the map is... Um, made purposefully to be like as unique as possible, especially from the ones around it. So you don't get like three or four or 10 tiles of, you know, like planes or something next to each other. Right. Like everyone has like some kind of ruin or some, just some kind of feature on it. So it, it actually has this sort of effect of actually being very busy to look at. And I've actually noticed myself kind of zooming out to the point where, um, that that detail goes away and it's kind of replaced by like a hand drawn um, map looking looking thing, which is much simpler to to kind of read and look at. Right, yeah. which it kind of there's a similar thing in the uh, Fallen Enchantress or or uh, the Sorcerer King, those kinds of things where it zooms out and you have kind of like the cloth map sort of looking thing, like the hand drawn kind of thing, which is a very nice looking thing. Um, it just it doesn't have quite the the detail of the the polygonal thing that you can zoom in on, but you know I kind of go back and forth with which one I want to look at, especially like um, so the battles in in Endless Legend uh, they play out on the map, but it's not like 
Civilization Five, where every army is limit or one hex per army sort of thing, or one one unit per hex kind of thing. Um, in f- in fact, what happens is it kind of zooms in on an area of the map, and it still uses the hexes, but now it uses them like, almost like a tactics game would, where um, you order your units from for, to like move and then attack, move and attack sort of thing, and um, it's it's kind of interesting because it's not, you know, I, I think it adds for greater flexibility and more um, interesting battles than you get in at least to five. Uh, I know that the older ones had stacking armies and whatnot, but right, um, yeah, it's it's got a cool and and it's got a, an attractive looking um, tactical battle system. So, I mean, it, it's actually it's really just kind of a really pretty game to like look at and uh the i've always loved the ui design for uh this game and and endless space also um it's like these guys are really doing something cool with uh with this genre and i also like the fact that the game's all linked together in the same universe which is cool too yeah which i actually i didn't even realize that all of the associated games from that developer uh and and they're different types too like i think was it you somebody was mentioning that there's a like a there's uh, a dungeon roguelike yeah exactly dungeon of the endless yeah i had no idea yeah and they all use the same uh the same resources like dust and science and industry and gold and whatnot Um, um and i i think there's some like loose lore going on too like uh endless spaceship crashes and becomes the dungeon of the endless. And then that world is the one that endless legend takes place on. And it's like, there's, there's something going on there. And like I said, endless space <laughs> two is coming out pretty soon. I think it's in early access now. Um, uh, October, October sixth. It was in early access. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So once that's really out for sure, I'll definitely try that. But yeah, endless legend is really cool. It's, it's a game that I've been wanting for a very long time to go back to and kind of get more into. And I've uh, decided to, to go ahead and do that now, as good as time as any. Huh. I've always wanted to get into a game. I've, I played Civ Four and I played Civ Five, and uh, I played you know maybe two or three full games of Civ Five. But maybe it's time I get into another one of these. Oh man, I've games. played I, I don't know a, a bunch of Civ Five, like eighty some hours of it, and uh, huh. I uh, yeah I, I like that game a lot. It's really good. Yeah, I have played 18 hours, so there you go. Cool. Cool. So in, in the wake of Civilization VI, I'm kind of going the Dale Jones route here, and uh, I decided it was time for me to play a 4X game too, so I decided to bust out a little bit of Civilization V, um, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I actually played zero of. Uh, I've actually had it. In fact, it came as a pre-order bonus, I think, for XCOM, I want to say, Enemy Unknown, that sounds right. I, I want to yeah. say. And uh, so I pre-ordered that, got the game, and I actually played it exactly zero hours. Um, <laughs> so I decided that, uh, you know, instead of necessarily jumping on the latest $60 4X release, uh, you know, why not, why not get a taste of Civ Five? And I played a bunch of Civ Four, and I've mentioned on this podcast uh, other 4X games, Sins of a Solar Empire, which is, a, you know, wildly different. A lot of the other ones, though, you know, are fairly... Um, Similar, I guess, which is which is kind of the thing. Like, I was sort of joking with, with a friend that, uh, you know, gosh, Civ Five is basically exactly the same thing as Civ Six, and there's not a difference. And I'm sure there are little differences here and there. Uh, unit stacking is one. I believe there was unit stacking in Civ Four, but there's not in Civ Five. Uh, you know, and that does it does change the dynamic of the map a little bit. 
um, or, or just you know the idea of how you control your space and, and what kinds of strategies are, are open to you. Uh, the tech tree thing is pretty standard. In fact, I, I want to say, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think we've been dealing with pretty much the same tech tree um, basically the entire time. I mean, I don't know that there have been a lot of changes to the to the concept of a tech tree, which, um, you know, is still cool. Um, it does, in Civ Five give you... And, and I gotta um, say Real here, quick, like, Sid Meier's uh, Civilization Beyond Earth had a really cool take. Um, instead of a tech tree, it was a tech web. And I thought that was a really cool idea. I, that game tech seemed, sphere grid. That game seemed to have kind of just happened and then been swept under the rug a little bit. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I, I did like Beyond Earth. I played, like, 35 hours of that also. Yeah. I always have to be careful too. Like I you know, I don't want to take a lot of time on the podcast to talk about <laughs> Civilization 5 which came out in like what 2012 or something like that. But uh, I have to I'm a, I'm a bit of a recidivist 4X player. Like I have to be really careful. Like I have a coin that I keep in my pocket, you know, that I'm like two years clean on 4X games because when they strike me, I will go deep and I will Yeah, but just there's like nothing, spend... there's nothing wrong with that. I know, but it just feels so wrong, so how can it be right? Um, no, but like I just get so into it, I really am susceptible to the one more turn mentality, um, mm-hmm. and I'll just burn up like an eight-hour block if I'm not careful. I, I will literally sit and do it for hours and hours and then feel really... I'll, the hangover is terrible from that sort of thing. So I'm trying to keep Civ Five. At arm's length, I'm not. I'm not interested in Civ Six at all for you know probably another five years yet. But uh, since I I was able to uh, you know withhold gratification for a few years on Civ Five, now I'm I'm getting into that and um, you know what the heck it's probably just as good. Which is kind of a tricky thing for games like that too. There are some games where it's like there's a sequel, like Gears Four. Like okay, I can remember everything that happened in Gears One, Two, Three, Judgment, and you know hey this is a new new thing. With something like Civilization or SimCity, you know, you might have some new features, but on some level, somebody like me who is, you know, I, you know, I, I have a huge backlog, just stuff I could be playing at any given time. There's almost no reason for me right now to play Civ Six. Which Dale, I don't know if that's kind of your your reasoning for for playing Endless Legend right at the moment. Is like why when look at all of this stuff that I still have. Yeah, yeah, and and with with Endless Legend in particular, it was a game that I always really admired more than I had played. So <laughs> it was kind of a, a twofold reason for going back. Yeah, Endless Legend also is another one of those because everything is it, it is just so different. And and in the four X genre, like differences, I think if you can get if you can get away from that, because Civ Civilization made the mold and. Mm. I mean, there hasn't been much to break it. So, I mean, even even Endless Legend doesn't get totally away from from the formula, but it's different enough that I, I think it, uh, you know, it's it's really a good one too. In fact, uh, I was just looking, and, and we actually did talk about Endless Legend um, on on one of last year's shows back in August. So, if you're interested in the idea of a Civilization or a 4X game that is a little bit different, we do go into some some detail um, in one of our older shows as well. So. Um, the other game that I've been playing, though, mostly this week, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier how I like the idea of your neighborhood turning into a uh, an amusement park at Halloween. I've been playing Costume Quest 2, which is the... Um, I mean, it's got to be the, the perennial... Isn't that like a Christmas-themed game, though? Yeah, <laughs> Christmas-themed. Isn't it? Yeah. No, Dale. 
Well, then I'm thinking of DLC or something. Cost, costume. Oh, yes. Okay, so the original costume quest. So so did you guys play the original costume quests much? Are you kind of familiar with the general idea? No, I think I have it somewhere. So but... I, I definitely recommend it. It's kind of one of those, like, you want to make it a tradition kind of things. Um, the original costume quest several years ago, I believe, was Double Fine's, one of their very first sort of independent forays after they kind of got out from third... I mean, it was one of the first things they did after Brutal Legend, which I think was their last big third-party published game. Um, and it is just very geared... I mean, it's... You know, we, we've we've talked or heard about uh, games that are holiday-themed, and this is one of the few that is really, truly Halloween-themed. Um, the, the idea, it's a very simplified, very stripped-down RPG-style game. I, I mean, it's not... It's almost more of an adventure game because there's not really a lot of role-playing elements in it. You're not doing a lot of stats and, and numbers and things like that, but you, you have a party of kids who... Uh, you know, on Halloween, you know, get into adventures. In the first game, you had these monsters that were sort of stealing candy, um, and you have to kind of walk around in a, in a 3D environment. Everything is decorated up for Halloween. It's very, um, very stylized, very hyper decorated, and and just very moody, and and just very and very very friendly, like very kid friendly, and and sort of family friendly, and very nice. Um, in Costume Quest Two, they do the same thing. It's got very uh, very evocative music. I believe Peter McConnell again is the musician who who, who did the uh, music for Costume Quest. Uh, everything has a very nice dusky sort of glow to it. Um, it's just very pleasant. It, it definitely strikes that chord that I mentioned about literally being out on Halloween and everything is lit up and, and is very nice. Um, the costumes in the game, the, the reason why it's Costume Quest is that you actually um, find parts of different costumes that you can assemble and then use in-game. Uh, they also, when you get into combat, they... So, so the cute thing about the combat in Costume Quest is that the costume that you have on, so for example... Uh, like a superhero, when when it switches to combat view, instead of being a kid in a costume, you, you know your characters are like an actual mighty superhero or a gigantic robot. Or at the beginning of Costume Quest Two, somebody is a candy corn, and you take on the powers of that costume for the purposes of combat. And the combat is just very simple, like Paper Mario. Um, you know, hit the button in time to get extra damage. Hit the button when you block to you know stave off some of the damage. Um, and so it just just really really simple stuff. Uh, also, the monsters are you know get very like hyper realistic and, and very very serious business. Um, but in so for example in Costume Quest Two, what is the power of a candy corn? It does nothing. So if you're playing as a candy corn, if you don't get a better costume, you just sit there and it gives you a little message like, well, the candy corn is a conscientious, conscientious objector to violence or you know something like that. <laughs> um, and it's just it's very very funny and the writing is really cute. Uh, in Costume Quest Two, wh whereas in the first game uh, it was sort of these monsters that they were kind of having to figure out where are they coming from and why do they want all the candy. In Costume Quest Two, they establish pretty much right at the right at the beginning of the story that uh, your your primary antagonist here is an overzealous dentist, which everyone always makes the jokes about the dentists and what do you get? You get toothbrushes at their houses and things like that. Um, and, and there's also a time travel component to it as well. So uh, the, the main characters, uh, you, you can sort of choose whether you play as uh, Reynold or, or Ren, W-R-E-N, as, as the boy or the girl character, but it kind of doesn't matter because they stay in your party. Uh, in Costume Quest 2, as you travel through time, you add different children, different friends from different time periods and, uh, you know, go together and collect costumes. Everything is, is uh, again, very simplistic. Um, not a lot of complicated mechanics to it, but the exploration, 
there's a lot of places that you can kind of duck behind and walk around a house that you may not have known, get into the backyard, and oh my gosh, there's a chest there that has another piece of that costume that I really wanted. Um, the costumes also have uh, sort of overworld abilities, so uh, for example, early on in Costume Quest 2, you get a pterodactyl-type costume, and he has a, a wing flap that will blow away piles of leaves to let you progress through different areas. So in terms of, uh, you know, is, is it a complicated or, or really mechanically interesting uh, type game. It's not really. It's not really. It's all of the other little things that kind of come together. And I could even see that if that, if the mood of the kind of, you know, the magical night of Halloween doesn't really get to you as much, it, you know, it might not hold your interest. Um, but it's pretty inexpensive. In fact, uh, we just got word today as of the day of this recording that on the PlayStation 3 for the PS Plus games next month, uh, spoiler for this coming next, uh, you know, podcast, um, Costume Quest 2 is actually going to be on the PS3 uh, PS Plus games list. So a little bit late, in my opinion. I mean, it's coming in November, but, um, you know, still good. Yeah, what's up with that? And then, uh, Dale, as far as the Christmas thing, um, the, the first game did get a DLC release called Grubbins on Ice. Grubbins. Oh, are sort yes. of the monsters from the first game and uh, they kind of did the Nightmare Before Christmas sort of like holiday crossover sort of thing so uh, yeah it is, it is definitely a Halloween themed game and the, the idea of the costumes and the candy so the candy you go and just like hit things in the environment and get candy you get candy and experience from uh, fights that you do and so you do kind of level up in Costume Quest 2, I do kind of want to mention a couple things, too, because I've actually noticed, this, this is like kind of little nitty-gritty sort, sorts of criticisms, but the um, in the first game, the combat each combat session was sort of self-contained. You would actually fully heal after any given combat, so all you really had to worry about was, can I, you know, get the strategy? Can I get the, the good hits? Can I, you know, can I get through this this match and then you know you could have a you could have another combat encounter a moment later and you'd start out at full health again in costume quest 2 they sort of maintain persistent health so you end up having to go back to these little fountains to regain your health these little save points which is kind of a pain in the butt um there is a little bit of backtracking which can kind of wear thin luckily in both games in costume quest 1 and 2 there is a uh, a run feature that kind of the kids get the little wheelie shoes and they kind of skate around and uh, you know it's uh, an easy way to navigate the environments which th I think this game kind of it kind of walks that line between being a little bit too much busy work but yet also letting you skip through things uh, and, and you know hold the hold the run button down basically and get through things as, as quickly as you can um, and generally both worthwhile I mean like I said I, I personally I mean Take my personality for what it is, but I find the, for all of its simplicity, I find that the theme and the uh, kind of the ambiance of the Costume Quest games to be really, really appealing. Um, you do get caught into some busy work stuff from time to time, but I don't know many games of this type that are completely free of that either. And the writing is really a pleasure. Um, for example, in Costume Quest 2, one of the early costumes that you get is a clown costume, and your overworld map function is, is a clown horn honk. <laughs> one of those sorts of things. And everybody is, like, amazed by your clown horn prowess, so you, like, do a duel with the devil, like a kid in a devil costume, and he's like, wow, your horn... And all you do, like, you just... <laughs> <laughs> and he's really impressed by your horn playing abilities and you go play in a jazz band and everybody's just like, wow, man, where do you, you know, just that sort of thing. And uh, I, I think it really does, it, it, that levity and I, I think it really is able to rest That's on very well. like earthbound or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just sort of like a bizarre... Uh, you know, very childlike sort of experience and uh, it's the kind of game that I, I don't 
actually do it, but I kind of think every year, like, I should play Costume Quest again. Uh, or, or play it with my kids. Like, it's the kind of thing that you could play together. And, I, you know, even when I'm sitting on the couch and they're doing something else, they'll, like, look over and be like, oh, look at that clown or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, they'll just kind of be interested in what's going on. So um, I, I do appreciate it for that, too, because I don't feel like there are very many games where, you know, there it is truly appealing to, you know, people of all ages, I guess. Whatever. So, I don't know, Costume Quest. So if you are going to be sitting at home like me and uh, want to go on an adventure, uh, I don't know, wait for November 1st if you're on PS Plus and uh, get Costume Quest. Or, you know, it's on Steam, uh, Xbox 360, Xbox One. It's on pretty much everything. In fact, the version that I'm playing was released free on the Xbox Games with Gold initiative last year sometime in, like, the middle of the year. So I was like, well, I'll get it, but I'm not going to play it until Halloween. So that's what I'm doing now. So Costume Quest. Super fun. Yep. Cool. And uh, listeners, if you haven't got enough of the spooky Game Bites podcast for this Halloween, uh, you know, let us know. Give us a uh, give us a little shout out on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you've been playing. We can uh, swap scary stories. Uh, you can find us as a group on Twitter at Game Bite Show. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. And I am at Count Elmdor. Uh, not with us on the podcast tonight is the costume of sexy Jared Red Eye Dunn. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at R-E-D underscore I. And uh, yeah, you find him, uh, see his beautiful face at least once a week on our Twitch stream over twitch.tv slash Show. You can also find the archives of games that we've played in the past over at youtube.com slash Show. Uh, I mentioned some of our past podcasts. You can actually find a complete archive of all of our previous podcasts, our bi-weekly podcast, over at GameBiteShow.com, and uh, along with that, a sidebar showing you some of our latest video escapades. Uh, subscribe via RSS, via iTunes. We have a Discord community. You can click the link and join us on Discord, which is sort of a little uh, team speak slash ventrilo kind of idea with messaging and that sort of thing. Pretty cool. Come uh, come chat us up there and, uh, you know, we'll uh, maybe play a game of something or other. That's kind of the idea, I guess. Uh, you may want to look forward here in the very near future, within the next couple of weeks. In fact, I think a week from, what, Saturday, uh, we are going to be doing our 24-hour extra live stream. Jared's going to be doing that over at twitch.tv slash show. Go hit that subscribe button and get notified when it starts. Um, I'm going to be out of town for that, so everybody, if you're listening to this, come participate and uh, take my space. Uh, save yourselves and save some children uh, at the Children's Miracle Network hospitals. Uh, it's for a good cause. Donate some money, donate some time, play some games. Uh, look at our affiliated team member, Wesley Livesey, who's going to be doing something for us, I think, this week in conjunction with uh, Extra Life. So check us out over at extra-life.org slash team slash show and get the details over there. Uh, we will be back again very soon to talk to you at the top of the week about the news, new releases, and a special video game topic of discussion, but this has been your Game Bite show for now. We appreciate you being here, and we'll see you next time. See ya. See you later.